Hello, and welcome back to She Inspired, a podcast about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration in the hopes of inspiring and guiding other women to do the same. I'm Lorna Morin, and I believe too often we ignore our inner voice, the all-knowing guidance system within each of us who knows the divine purpose for which we are called in this life and who always wants what's best for us. As a result, we can end up in careers or relationships which are unaligned with who we really are and what we really want. This belief is born from my own experience, dismantling the life I spent 20 years creating because I realized the uneasiness I felt in life was the result of not living in alignment professionally, personally, and spiritually. For me, this meant walking away from a 15-year career in the public service to launch an online business and leaving an 18-year relationship to live as a single woman and co-parent to three lovely kids. I believe my intended purpose is to use my powers of connection to light the spark, to share the stories of women seeking and finding alignment in service to the awakening of all women. That is what She Inspired is all about. Julie Amlin Master Antonio is an artist. If you have the chance to meet her in person, I believe, like me, you will see it instantly. If you haven't met her in person, well, the next best thing is to check her out on Instagram. This woman is an artist. But it's only recently that she has been able to claim that identity comfortably and really step into its power. Her journey to arriving where she is as a full-time artist and muralist is the focus of our conversation today. We have a candid discussion about limiting beliefs, the influences of the people and environments in which we grow up on our perception of what's possible for us, and the toll mothering can take on a woman's creative mojo. The twists and turns in Julie's journey mirror my own in that her path to following her inspiration has been no straight line but also like my own, each step has taken her closer to where she stands today, strong and confident in her identity as an artist and muralist. You can learn more about Julie and her work at julieamlin.ca. I reached Julie in her new home in Vancouver, British Columbia. All right. Well, hello, Julie. Hi, Lorna. Hi, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So welcome. So welcome. Well, first off, I guess I want to say good morning because it's like pretty early where you are. It's pretty early. What kind of a day is it in Vancouver today? Um, I think it's pretty typical. It's raining. I can hear the cars driving by splashing in the puddles. So I think it's a pretty typical wet, rainy day. (laughs) I see. I see. That is what you, I guess that is life in Vancouver to some extent, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to get used to this. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, because it's only recently that you began regularly waking up in Vancouver. You just moved. Exactly. Yeah, this is a a little bit of a new chapter for my family. We decided to do sort of a temporary move with my family, uh, given the strange situation we find ourselves in in COVID. Mm -hmm. And we said, Stefano, my husband, he's working from home for the moment. I'm able to go wherever with my work and the kids can work virtually at school. So we decided to move until about February. Yeah. I love it. What a, like, what a way to optimize on, um, on a situation, right? What a way to look Mm -hmm. for like the positive aspects of something. Exactly. We have, um, Stefano's family. My in-laws are here. So we have family here, which we've never had before. So that equals like four babysitters and, uh, it's going to work out great for all of us. So a lot of family time and, you know, finding that silver lining, which is going to be good. Hey, four babysitters is reason enough to move across the country in my view. Yes. That is four more than we've had for the last decade. So we're excited. Yeah. Things are looking up. Well, and I laugh because um, uh, now that you're on Vancouver time, uh, but the kids are still in Toronto school time, you've, mm-hmm. you've become a member of the 5am club. <laughs> we, we've oh always, my gosh, Lorna, we, careful what you wish for, right? I know, right? Well, oh. so for, for people listening, like you and I are, are, um, members of the same wonderful, um, community of female entrepreneurs. And we've had discussions over, you know, the last yes. little while around the 5am club. And you've always been like, 
I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like a pretty hard no. Well, yeah, I I think I did like a month of it. I was like, I can do this. I fell off that so fast, but always had wished I was part of the 5 a.m. club. So again, here I am, groggy voice, but I'm awake. I'm here for it all. And yes, part of the 5 a.m. club. 5 a.m. club. Amazing. Well, we should talk again, like in a month's time or so after you've really gotten into the routine of it, because I'd love to hear um yeah kind of what your experience of it is like because it's actually really changed my life Um, exactly and and so I'd love to hear kind of what 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 changes you see as a result of really getting into that routine absolutely ask me in February when I'm no longer forced into the club if I'm still in it we'll see about that if you're still doing it that's like that's good okay I will take you up on that offer (laughs) I will well, right. I am really, uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, Julie, um, not the least of which because you are like a super interesting person. And oh. I've always, since I met you, I've always been drawn to your energy. And, you know, I was thinking about in preparation for our chat, I'm like, how long have I known Julie? And I realized I'm like, it's not even really been two years. Isn't that funny? Isn't it feels it? Like, like longer. It feel, exactly. That was my, um, that was my same feeling. You and I met, um, in, I remember it was March of 2019. We wow. met through our businesses. Uh, I came to an event you were hosting, <clears throat> right. excuse me, for Rodan and Fields, um, the day that I launched my business with r wow. and uh, that wasn't even two years ago. So it does, wow. I feel like I've known you a lot longer than that. Um, mm-hmm. it's funny how, how time acts like that. Um, <laughs> and you know, so, so that's how I was introduced to you was through mm-hmm. uh, the businesses that we shared through Rodan and Fields. And mm-hmm. at that time, I know I had the opportunity to like, to hear your story when you came to my business launch and supported yeah. that. You shared your story like really succinctly in like 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to dig into it with you more here because well, I mean, your story of how you came to be standing here where you are today as um, an artist and a muralist, it's really interesting. And I see some, it is right. And I see some some parallels in our journeys um, in the sense that both of us have had what I would describe as like several pivots yes. in our journey to our calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love our listeners just to have the benefit of understanding, uh, you know, what that journey has looked like for you. So if we could go back a bit, I mean, I, I'll let you kind of decide where it starts, but. Yeah, like how far back, Lauren? I'll how far back? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll guide you a bit. I guess, I guess here's how far back. I'd say, wh- what's the moment when you first remember thinking like, hmm, I'm not exactly sure, like, this is how I want to carry on. Like, mm-hmm. I might need to start making some changes here. Um, yeah. professionally is, is how I recall. Um, of course. It, that's where I, that, that's where it starts for me, but that absolutely may not be where it starts for you. So I feel like, yeah, my life, instead of going from a straight A to B, like you said, I've made very, oh, wow, very significant pivot points within mm-hmm. my life. So I think in order for your listeners to understand where I come from, I have to tell them that since I was born as a young child, I was always a very creative child. I've always had a creative mind and I've always been drawn to art, but I grew up in a really small town. Like I'm talking small population was probably 4,000. <laughs> so I grew up. Wow. So a really quaint little town, which was a beautiful place to grow up in, but maybe not a perfect scenario for a child with a really creative mind to be supported in that. So I was very much instilled from a young age, um, practicality, right? Um, Because I think I grew up in a place where you think about, oh, you can be a doctor or a lawyer or a thing, just anything that sounded practical, like it would make money and be a job. So having a very creative mind was a bit of a challenge in a very small town. So going from that small town, um, I took that creativity and jumped into graphic design Mm. um, because that sounded like, you know what, I'll be able to be creative. It sounds artsy. And I followed that route for a while and I did work in marketing. Um, But then I found that the creative piece was probably 10% piece of the puzzle. 
And I was looking for much more than that. Yeah. It turned out to be following instructions is basically what it was mm. um, in advertising. And I didn't enjoy that very much. So after that, I did finally move to Montreal and get my degree, my full you know, degree in studio art um, and a bachelor okay. of fine arts. Oh, so, okay. Can I, can I stop you for a sec? Julie? Yes. Sorry to interrupt. So yeah. I think this is really interesting. I, I, if I could just take you back for a sec, when you mm -hmm. were talking about how your creativity wasn't yes. necessarily fostered mm -hmm. in the environment in which you grew up as a child. Yeah. I, um, I had this really interesting conversation with one of our guests on, or one of my guests, I should say, Gabrielle Cardona on Friday. Yeah. And she talked about how <clears throat> um, she recognized at a very young age too, that she had this like kind of superpower that made her different. Oh, it wasn't creativity, yes. but it sounds like that was yours. Very much and, so. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And I, on that same note, I always felt like too much. <laughs> Mm. too creative too colorful too everything I always just felt like too much and that th that was the part of me that was not acceptable so in order to be accepted in society and to be practical and live a life that was going to be um suitable I, I don't even know the word to describe it I had to just shrink myself a bit yeah um, so you didn't you didn't see it as a superpower at the time no not at all. I, I found it to be, that's what made me feel uncomfortable with myself most often. It was like, you know, when I presented things I had made, people were like, whoa, that's a little, you know, that's a little crazy. <laughs> so you hear that enough and you think, okay, well, how do I take this crazy of mine and make it acceptable? And I moved on from there. Yeah, my parents were really, really great in supporting me and my creativity, but it was almost like the greater greater society taught me that having an artistic side was a hobby. It was not something you supported a life with. So mm -hmm. that clear message did not come mm -hmm. from my parents. I would say it came more from, from society. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you did see it as, as it sounds like maybe you did see it as a, a source of strength, but you didn't necessarily see it as a profession. Exactly. Okay. And so I, I was quite a, a smart child. Um, and so because I was a bright student, teachers and um, I'd say mostly teachers would, would say, no, somebody like you with that type of <laughs> smarts, with those type of gifts should mm. be something better than an artist. And it was put on this plane of it was a scale of like, you don't have to be smart to be an artist, but you're really smart. You should be a doctor or something, something better than that, which always gave me such a chip on my shoulder because what I really, really loved was art. Right. Uh, isn't yeah. it so, I guess yeah. there's so many words to describe it, but it's almost fascinating if you look at it objectively, the ways that we can be, mm -hmm. the ways our paths are, are affected by well, often well-meaning. Of course. You know, right? And like the things you listen to and the things you let settle in yeah. to your mind and your beliefs, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so you you didn't initially see mm -hmm. your creativity as like a, a profession or, or a professional calling, something you could mm -hmm. put your life on. And you were describing how you did start working in graphic design, but then that wasn't quite doing it for you. And then yeah. you went to Montreal and you mm -hmm. got a fine art degree. Yes. So it's funny, my art calling was always calling. <laughs> it never, <laughs> it never went away. Right. I almost describe it as like, it's like water that was always flowing, but all these obstacles in the way. So it was always taking the path of least resistance, trying to get to that bigger body of water. But I was just putting all these things in the way that it was making it hard to get there. So soon after I, you know, got back into art, I created a community in Montreal. I had lots of connections. And then I moved back to Toronto, got married and had kids. <laughs> so speaking of obstacles right, right. to your creativity, um, motherhood <laughs> was one giant obstacle. 
it was a lovely, lovely part of my life, but I did not do a good job of keeping myself active and creative while being a mother. Mm. That's just the truth of it. So to be quite honest, art became something that I put on the back burner, um, maybe at first begrudgingly, and then after a while, just out of necessity, because as anyone who's had kids knows, they suck the life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) They do. They give you life and they also take it. (laughs) They They give it and they take it away. That is a very good way to describe it, Julie. So let me ask you then. So when you're in Montreal and you're Mm -hmm. pursuing your degree and you get your degree before Mm -hmm. you get married and decide to have a family at that point in your life, are you thinking like, I'm going to be a professional artist? Um, At that point in my life, I think, see what happened was then I'm, I'm with my now current husband who was able to support me financially while I finished my degree. So I'm still not associating art with supporting myself. Right. But because I now have a partner who is supporting me financially, it took the pressure off of me. So I'm still seeing a block there of me not believing that my art could support me financially and being something uh, worth pursuing as a career. Yeah. So, which is sad, but very true. Yeah. But, and also like a perfect part of the journey, right? It really is. Yeah. I find it. So one of the things I love about doing this podcast is because it's what I love about, um, hearing women's stories is that there are often, I think always these through lines, right? Mm -hmm. These, these themes that are ever present throughout our lives. Absolutely. And sometimes it's the presence of it. And sometimes it's the absence of it, but that thing is always there. And so I hear this in your story, you know, it's this, this, this theme of like, I am a creative being. I am an Mm -hmm. artist. Yeah. And always the intrinsic knowing of that, but your path, and, and the beliefs that you develop along that path mm-hmm. kind of preventing you at those moments yeah. from, from pursuing that. Um, yeah. But it always coming back. It's true. It's that catchphrase of we're our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> time and time again, um, art was never something that was, uh, what do I, it was always present. It was always strong. It was always there. It was me and my belief in myself and in that art that was lacking, that needed some strength. And then I know, and I now believe looking back, it was all of these pivotal moments where I needed to build that belief in myself in order to pursue art for full time and believe in myself as an artist. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, love how you, I love how you just put that. Like you weren't mm-hmm. ready. I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we fast forward. So now you're in Toronto, you're Mm -hmm. married, you're having your babies Mm -hmm. and, um, and you end up, uh, coming to RNF, which doesn't seem like an immediate. It does (laughs) not. And you're following a creative. So, so explain, can you explain that? I will explain that. So (laughs) my create, okay, this is interesting. So my creativity was like bubbling below the surface. And it would spew out in in moments, in times, okay? So it was like, I would throw these elaborate birthday parties for my children, not because I was a a crazy mother who wanted to spoil her kids, but because I needed a creative outlet. It was just becoming too much. So I would make these extravagant cakes and spend days and hours almost because it felt like an excuse to be ridiculously creative and I was just doing none of that so I would I would sew projects I got into sewing and I was doing things like this it became very evident to my husband and to my family and friends around me that I needed something because motherhood I was a stay-at-home mom and while I loved it so much I just didn't have an outlet that was for me and um at the time after kids, I also was struggling um, with acne. My, my skin was terrible. It 
took a nosedive, uh, blame the hormones, blame the stress, the lack of sleep, whatever you want. I had really terrible skin. So mm. I started looking for a solution for that at the same time that I really needed something for myself outside of being a stay at home mom. And so, and I think I'd always had this entrepreneurial sort of spirit within me. I had done some other things. And um, so I did find a solution to my skin, um, my, my problems that I was dealing with. And it was through Rodan and Fields. They had um, a line of acne care, skin care that really, really helped my skin. And getting that hit of confidence again mm -hmm. was something I just needed more than anything at that time in my life. You know, I felt like I'd been in a cave for, right. <laughs> for years just raising these kids. So suddenly my skin started improving. And as my skin started improving, my family and friends were like, ooh, what are you using? And it, it was in those moments where I thought, wow. I could do this as a business because people are already asking me what I'm using and I love talking about it. Yeah. I'm one of those, I'm one of those girly girls. Like I love talking products and, you know, things, fashion and all the things. So um, I decided, okay, you know what, maybe this is a way for me to have something of my own while at home with my kids, best of both worlds. So I started a skincare business from home. Wow. Um, and that's what that was born out of. It wasn't necessarily a passion for skincare, which is quite funny, mm -hmm. but it gave me what I needed in that moment, which was yeah. something for myself, the ability to stay home and raise my kids and something that was ultimately going to give me that piece of the puzzle back, which was the confidence piece. Mm -hmm. That's what I was missing. And that's what it directly linked me to was my confidence again. You explained that so beautifully, Julie. Um, <laughs> it really, you did. And I, it is one of the things that I love. I'm chuckling as I'm listening to you because I also have a Vernon and Fields skincare business. And you do. it also, I do. And it also was like total out of left field. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And when I told my yes. family, friends what I'm doing they're like you're doing what like I my whole career had been with the government prior to that I had no business yes. experience no real entrepreneurial spirit like you described right it was mm -hmm. like a total 180 for me but yeah what I what the, the the commonality that I hear in your description of how the business came to you and and I hear it and I'm sure you do too right over and over again yeah. with consultants it's like the business finds us and it does. it does, it's so versatile in the sense that mm -hmm. um, it can fill, it can, it can fill so many different needs, but this thing that it usually always ends up filling is women seeking mm -hmm. something for themselves, right? Yes. Which the is thing. the last thing you think you're doing. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh. But it does open up all these um, avenues, mm -hmm. both business-wise and and I'd say personally and from a personal Absolutely. development perspective yeah. um, that I really believe like sets us on our path as, as all you know a, a, a good opportunities do um, absolutely so so okay so now you are you, and you built quite you've built quite a great um, business yeah quite a good strong little business yeah I've got it. a great team yeah and Honestly, this business brought me to so many new relationships, um, so many new friendships with women that are now pivotal in my life mm. that like you were talking about, we start these businesses for reasons of like, oh, income or uh, whatever, having something for ourselves. And it turns into something so much more. And I think I met the right type of people. Mm. And then you know what happens when you start surrounding yourself with the right type of people people who are positive, people who are uplifting, people who support you and don't scoff at your dreams when you start dreaming bigger. I think that was such a big deal for me to be surrounded by women who first had bigger dreams than I could ever imagine for myself, mm. but then to start allowing yourself to dream bigger, trust yourself and move forward without tiptoeing because you have these people around you to cheer you on. The people you surround yourself with are so important, aren't they? Oh, so much. Yeah. Yes. What's that that quote we have talked a lot about? Um, 
uh, we are the, I forget who said it, but it's something like mm-hmm. we are the sum total of the five people with whom we spend yes. the most time. Exactly. And I really resonates with me what you're saying about how once you connected with the community through Rodan and Fields, you were able to be exposed to and start spending time with women who were dreaming really big. Exactly. And how that helped you expand your horizons and, and, and kind of think more for yourself than what you Absolutely. previously were thinking. Absolutely. It's almost like I started realizing, especially in that small town I grew up in, Right. we were, I'll speak just for myself, I was taught what I should want with life rather than taught that you need to go look for what you want, like figure out what you want and just go get it. Mm-hmm. Like figure out what sets your soul on fire and then move towards it, not what is going to pay your bills and go do that. And there's a big difference between the two because my dream life could be your nightmare, right? So Mm -hmm. how many of us are living someone else's version of a dream life? It looks different for everybody. And I just never knew um, like how, how to figure out what I wanted, (laughs) let alone pursue it. So, yeah. Well, and and you mentioned the word, I think you said the word belief earlier, right? And Mm -hmm. like, you know, what you and I have learned through the work that we've done, we're in the same mindset coaching community. Um, And and what we've learned through the work we do with Catherine Farquharson and her program, Mm -hmm. Thinking Into Results, we've learned that like, you'll never go beyond where you believe you can go, right? Absolutely. And, And so these beliefs that we are born with, and that we then kind of, um, pick up from Mm -hmm. our surroundings as we're growing, they really do create the, um, the, 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 the bubble or the structure for what's possible, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to unlearn everything. (laughs) (laughs) We we spend the rest of our lives doing is unlearning it all. I think so. And you, you mentioned, uh, we, I, I mentioned actually when we were talking about RNF a minute ago, like how there's a big, a big piece of being successful in that business is uh, growing and evolving personally, mm-hmm. not just professionally. Yes. Um, and I wonder, could you talk a little bit about um, how those, how you have grown and evolved as a person through the course of growing your business and, and, and how those beliefs have changed? Cause they, I know they tie into how you are now standing here as a, as an artist as, as well. As an artist. Like we haven't even talked about my art practice yet. Isn't that interesting? Well, I know we're gonna we're gonna get there. I'm not on a. It goes it. A to Z. We're at about F right now. <laughs> exactly. So through Rodan and Fields, I like I said met really incredible women. They lit me up. I started to light up again. I started to live life in color again. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it sound like motherhood was this bland gray area of my life. It's just that I let go of so much of what made me me mm-hmm. that I was missing myself. I was mm-hmm. missing that piece and art is what made me so colorful. So we started doing things like events and I love hosting events. Um, I That also led me to be a little more creative, right? So mm-hmm. um, we started hosting events. We would do things like go to convention every year. Also things like that light me up. So again, around women who are pursuing big dreams, including one of my now best friends, Michelle, who I met through Rodan and Fields. Um, and through Michelle, I met Catherine. And like you said, we are part of the same coaching program. And I decided to invest in myself because I could feel that I had this really strong distrust with my intuition. Hmm. And I, I can almost pinpoint the exact moments where I decided not to trust my intuition. Oh. I feel like there were a couple moments in my younger years where um, they not to go into them, that's a whole new podcast, but they were traumatic <laughs> okay. and I was harmed. And I felt almost pissed, if I can, at my intuition. Like, why didn't you warn me? Why wasn't I warned? Shouldn't my intuition have warned me of that and led me away from that? Wow. Right? But I now can I can now see it so clearly. Like, we're talking about those moments where I wasn't ready for creativity as a career. I wasn't ready to trust my intuition. I had this very immature mindset. So you know, 
going to Catherine's program um, and really following it and going through that process of undoing what we learn, I also then was ready to trust my intuition again and mm. trust that inner voice that was always there, but I was not ready to listen to again. So it was really great because I had this skincare business that I was growing and, you know, I was feeding into that. And by doing that in my mind, I thought, you know what, this business, this business is going to financially support me while I allow my practice to grow while, while I allow myself to slowly tiptoe back to my creativity, there's no pressure. So I really loved doing both in tandem because I was trusting myself in being financially stable um, through the skincare business, but also allowing myself to, like I said, just lead myself back to art without the pressure of it needing to support me financially, which was a big deal for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, you didn't necessarily know it at the time, but no. Rodan and Fields became the vehicle by which you could return to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that, that, well, that's really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And I really appreciate what you said about, mm-hmm. or, or what you shared about your experience with intuition, mm-hmm. uh, because it is, you know, a fundamental reason I'm doing this podcast is it's, you know, it's about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration. And another word for inspiration is intuition in my opinion. And I'm really fascinated by the, um, by the, by the, by the process by which we can become alienated from Mm -hmm. our intuition. Yes. Right. And you've described, for example, how that, what that looked like in your journey. Um, mm-hmm. for me, for example, I just had no real, um, concept understanding or, and certainly no belief in intuition as a thing. Like I just dismissed it because that's how I was raised that, yeah. you know, it, life is about practical, tangible, what you can yeah. see, what you can touch, you know, taste, touch, smell, like the conditions around you are your reality. Yep. And I was always taught to ignore that voice. And then I, I would, I would hear, and then once I started hearing it, actually, I didn't like what it was telling me. <laughs> <laughs> That's often true. <laughs> right. Because it wasn't lining up with the life that I was creating and exactly. um, it wasn't what other people wanted me to be hearing. So it's, it's just, it's a really, um, it's very powerful the ways by which we can become separate or alienated. But mm-hmm. then I believe, you know, ultimately our entire life is about, connecting or in some cases reconnecting with that Absolutely. voice. Um, it's interesting you say that too, because mine was very clearly screaming art my whole life <laughs> because of that belief I took on as reality about, you know, art is not a career. Mm. I did learn to just silence that voice, that inner voice that was for me very, very clear but I always said, no, I've learned that's not practical. So I always tried to just dance around it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so can I, I, you've kind of answered this, but I just, if I could ask mm-hmm. you again, because I think the clarity is important. Yeah. How would you describe the process by which you came to now trust that voice and flip that belief and you came to now see art and your role as an artist as something Mm -hmm. to be embraced and and nurtured and pursued yeah so if we go back to when i was ready to listen to that voice again and just like i didn't i didn't at first take leaps i I describe it as tiptoeing because that's exactly what i was doing Mm -hmm. um it was a matter of oh, I will get my art supplies out of that random Tupperware bin in the storage. (laughs) Maybe I'll put it on my desk. (laughs) They were tiptoe little steps. I I couldn't even call myself an artist. I couldn't audibly hear myself say, I'm an artist because it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like um, I deserved that title. Mm -hmm. But as I started coming back to art, I got those flickers of myself again that, that I put aside and put on that back burner for so long that I started to feel more and more like myself. 
Yeah. And I think that's what we do. You start giving yourself permission to be who you are and not listen to anyone around you, um, despite the inconvenience it might be for the people in your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so maybe I needed, I don't know, a little more help. Ironically, my husband was very willing to take the kids whenever I needed him to so that I could pursue art or paint or whatever I needed to. I had just never felt worthy of asking for that time before. So mm -hmm. I never asked for it. Mm -hmm. So now it was, I'm building confidence in my business. I'm learning how to trust my intuition, which is telling me to come back to art through Catherine's program. And so I'm starting to listen to that voice again and take the time for art. And just reconnect with who I was, who I've always been, not yeah. even who I was, who I've always been. And just getting those little tastes of what it feels like to be myself again. Yeah. And then the more you taste that, the more you relish in that feeling, the more you want that. And so it began this process of just coming back to who, who I was and honoring that rather than begrudging it. So I had this young life of sort of wishing that I wanted to be something practical. I always looked at a doctor and I thought, you know, that's so easy to just go, you know, I have this urge to be a doctor. This is the, these are the steps I follow. I go to school, I get this degree, I do this and I become a doctor. I always wished I wanted something simple. And for me, it's just, it's just never going to be that. But now I see it doesn't have to be put in a box. And when I don't put my creativity in a box of, say, working in marketing, it's actually so easy. Yeah. This Just to be who I am is so easy if I don't put it in a box. You just gave me such an insight there, Julie. Mm -hmm. uh, I got shivers as I was described as you were describing that process of like relishing in the feeling and like unleashing. Mm -hmm. But yeah. what I just heard you say, which I think is really powerful, is that it's like the process for you has been not just necessarily tuning into the voice and, and building belief in yourself as an artist. It's actually mm -hmm. been like integrating it into your identity versus yes. it's something you are versus something Absolutely. you do. Oh, absolutely. A thousand percent. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, when I look back at um, my young adult life, it, I can now look back and see that I very much needed that. I needed to struggle with my creativity. I needed to put it on the back burner all those years of mothering, because now that I'm back, I feel such deep gratitude for my creativity. Mm. It feels like a relative had passed away and I had to live without them for a decade. And now they've just come back and I get to spend life with them again. That's, that's how intensely um, grateful I feel for my, my creativity now. And I feel like, oh, I will never lose that again. So I have gained this intense, intense gratitude for my creativity and just love of creation that now having lived without it for so long, I know I will never take it for granted again. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> that is just so lovely. You're yeah. right, right? Like the absence of you were able to take, turn the absence of something and in, into, mm -hmm. into gratitude and appreciation yes. for it now that it's here. Absolutely. Like resentment for it not being there for the time that it was. Which yeah. I think is so like we I've talked about we talk about this in, in this podcast a lot about perception, right? Mm -hmm. And that we are the creators of our own reality and really it, our perception is our reality. And so Absolutely. it's like there's good and there's bad in everything. And mm -hmm. it's up to us what we choose to focus on. Mm -hmm. And whatever we focus on is what we get. So yes. I love how you just illustrated it's like you could have been resentful for all the years you lived without you know, mm -hmm. your identity as an artist being as, as a, maybe as visible or as omnipresent as it is right now. Yeah. But instead you choose to see it as an opportunity for gratitude for what you have. Absolutely. Really yeah. cool. Really cool. <laughs> well, I think we've arrived at you as an artist and we know you I to think so. <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. No, yes, absolutely. We're stuff. here. <laughs> so, and it's funny, Julie, because, you know, um, 
I don't exactly know when you like claimed your identity as an artist. I know when I met you almost two years ago now, it, the literally laying eyes on you, I was like, that woman's an artist. <laughs> like, <I> just, <laughs> you, for those people who, who have met you and been in your presence, like you just, or you don't even, you know, go on your Instagram feed, you know, <laughs> Julie is so clearly an artist, so clearly a creative type. Um, but I know that even your identity as an artist has kind of been evolving in the mm-hmm. last in the time that I've known you. So, so when was it? Do, do you, not to kind of place too fine a point on it, but yeah. do you recall when you were like, I'm an artist, I'm claiming well, and embracing that? It's funny, just, um, so just before we moved to Vancouver here, I was, uh, you know, sorting through things and papers and random junk on my desk, excuse me. And I came across this sketch that I had done and it was for a studio that I wished to have. I didn't have a studio. I didn't have anything. I had some of my supplies in a corner. And I had drawn this sketch of what I pictured my ideal studio to look like. And there was a table with some paintings on it and an easel. And it was very beautiful. And on the top, it said March um, 2000. It would have been 2020. My goodness. Could that be real? So Mm -hmm. I had started dabbling back in art and started painting again and allowing myself to um, be creative. But, you know, even thinking of having a studio wasn't until then. Yeah. (laughs) Not even a year. Wow. So, yes, although I've been an artist my whole life, I haven't respected that. I haven't honored that for much a year yet. Okay. If you can believe it. Yeah. Well, it's just so funny because... And like we were talking about with perception, like that mm-hmm. again. I when I say I knew you were an artist to me, like to me, that's all you are. Not not yes, not all <laughs> you are, but that is definitely who you are. So it's in everything I do. Exactly, that's, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if it, I I say I would say my experience of you is you've always claimed that identity, but you yeah. maybe didn't. It sounds exactly like you didn't have the the words for that or that belief until a year Absolutely. ago. But it's amazing that you have it now, um, mm-hmm. and. So, so tell us about your art. What kind of artist are you? Um, so <laughs> as of a year ago or so, I was mostly, I dabble in everything. Oh my goodness. So I'm one of those people who, you know, I've always loved painting and drawing, but also loved sculpture. I did some ceramics in university and fell in love with that. I'm like the instant obsessor. Mm. I, <laughs> I will try something and instantly love it and want to do that every day of my life for a while until I find something else that I'm instantly obsessed with. Mm -hmm. So everything creative I love, even cakes. I mean, I got into making cakes, these really cool cakes for a while, instantly obsessed. So at the moment, painting is always the backbone of what I do. I love painting in acrylics um, and as you'll find in an instant of looking at me on Instagram, it's all very vibrant and colorful and color is pretty much, um, it's like colors my life. I, I mm. love color so intensely. It's like, it's a human. <laughs> so everything always relates to color. And when I dabbled back um, and allowed myself to start believing, I had this little inkling, you know, my intuition was like, it was saying painting, but I started, I started thinking murals, mm. you know, I wanted to take my creativity bigger. So I heard murals and I thought, oh my gosh, no, I've never done that. Oh, how scary. Why would I think that much like you were saying, you know, you heard it, but you didn't like what it was saying. Yeah. That's what my intuition was saying. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know. So it took me a while to build up that belief. Um, but here I am today. I've done mural after mural after mural this summer I'm now um, mostly a painter and a muralist and I love it intensely and you've done such so I just have to say because I've had the real (laughs) privilege and pleasure of kind of being an observer on this journey (laughs) you've claimed this identity claimed your identity as a muralist Mm -hmm. Um, and oh it, it it's Julie what I would say is this it's like you're you're such a, a picture-perfect, uh, pardon the pun, uh, picture-perfect example of how when we can flip a belief, mm-hmm. the acceleration that is possible, 
Like, oh my goodness. Honestly, it was like literally one day I remember being in a mastermind, in our mastermind with you. And you're like, <laughs> I'm a mirrorless. I mean, I'm simplifying. Yes. Stuff had happened to get you to that point. But you're like, guys, of course. I'm there. I'm a mirrorless. And like, it felt to me like the next day <laughs> you mm. had a mirrorless mm. job. <laughs> right? Quite, almost literally. And then from the time I decided, yes, I'm a mirrorless, there's no reason I'm not. It was just boom, 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 like one thing after another. And it was incredible. And I remember sitting there, I had these moments where I'm painting a mural, <laughs> which months before I didn't believe I could do. And I thought, oh my goodness, why on earth? And these are paid jobs. So, and that's important for me to note. They were paid, I was well paid for my, my jobs as a muralist. Yes. So I'm sitting there thinking, where did I get this idea that I couldn't have a career as an artist or a muralist? Where did that come from? And it was so frustrating. Yeah. And I don't, I don't begrudge those steps or those years that I took to get here for all those reasons we spoke about. But it was like I was almost laughing <laughs> at the audacity I had to even carry that belief for so long. Because here I was just as soon as I decided I had all of this work as a muralist, paid jobs that would very much support any lifestyle. So there I was. I love yeah. that. I love that. And um, you, uh, not only are you, um, like not only did you embrace the belief and then the work started coming, and what I really loved and really respected, I have to say, Julie, I don't think I've ever told you this, is like mm -hmm. you, you not only share your journey on and share your art on Instagram, and, and mm -hmm. we're gonna um, share Julie's uh, feed, in the link to this podcast. If you're not following her on Instagram, I highly recommend you do. Yeah. It's her speed is just fantastic. But what you, you also did, which I really respected is that you like showed us the process mm -hmm. for developing your murals, which as someone who has never done it before to be willing to be that open and transparent about your process, I thought mm -hmm. took a lot of courage <laughs> yeah and you know it's it's interesting you say that I've heard that from quite a few people now and again I think that connects to um being okay with not being the yeah I don't want to say the greatest it, it's okay to be in a process because now I'm understanding we're all in a process and unfortunately creatives in general and artists we have this um oh what's the term uh, oh, imposter sy syndrome. I knew yeah. it would come to me. Yeah. We all have this, this great imposter syndrome where we believe all the people around us are experts and we're the only ones struggling where that could not be further from the truth. And, you know, I showed up uh, to one job. Oh my goodness. And there were 75 artists spray painting murals and I've never used spray paint before and couldn't get the can to spray. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about coming to a level where I had to just admit that I've never used a spray can before. It doesn't, it doesn't take away my creativity. I'm just learning something new. And, um, you know, turns out you take the cap off and there's a little thing you have to dump before it'll actually spray. Wonderful. But had I, I shared that and quite a few people said, thank you for telling me that I never would have had the courage to ask because I wouldn't want to look dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but right? I'm realizing it doesn't matter to me how I appear because I'm, I'm understanding that all of us are in a process of learning in whatever we're in. And if you're too afraid to ask, you will never make the leaps you need to make yeah. you'll never get there 100 so, well and yeah. you, just, you just so brilliantly illustrated the real premise of this podcast which is the, the power in sharing our stories right Absolutely. the fact that you were willing to be vulnerable and share that way you served others and yes and got the opportunity and to hear it absolutely happen, which is so cool so um, how, Julie, how can people, um, what's the best way to find you is, is following you on Instagram or do you want people to visit your sure. website? What's the best um, I will give you both. My website is, um, a new baby. So it's, it's new and it's getting there, but I will give you both. So, um, my artist name, I use my maiden name, which is Amlin, um, because my married name's Master Antonio and my goodness, you try writing that long name on a piece of art. <laughs> So um, it's Julie Amlin, J-U-L-I-E, 
A M like monkey, L I N dot art. Excuse me, that's for Instagram. So yeah. julieamlin.art. And then my website is julieamlin.ca. Okay. Go well, Canada. I'll put the links. <laughs> I'll put the links in as well. I just also want to say I am the proud owner of a Julie Amlin. Oh my goodness. It's you bought one of my favorites. I will <sighs> say that. It is so beautiful, Julie. I literally look at it and smile every day. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that I can visit it and see it once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you'll be excited on Instagram. There's something fun happening soon enough. Um, If everyone wants to tune in, it also relates to process. There's a studio in Toronto um, that's for kids, specifically for kids. And they're going to be doing a mural based on my work. So... (laughs) It's going to be really fun. We're going to interact with questions and process. And that's going to be really, really a treat to watch unfold. So cool. So people can can access that if they are following you on Instagram? Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Julie, I just want to give you another heartfelt thanks for, um, well, for taking the time to be here and talking to me at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And uh, just for being so generous with your with your story and with your experience and your insights, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and I'm just so happy and proud and pleased for you now that you've claimed your identity as an artist. It's just beautiful to see. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, this was a lovely way to have my morning coffee, believe me. And um, I will never not claim that identity again. So thank you for helping me put that into perspective through this conversation. You are most welcome. It was wonderful (laughs) to talk to you. You too, Laura. And this concludes the fifth episode of She Inspired, the podcast about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration in the hopes of inspiring and guiding other women to do the same. I want to say thank you to Julie Amlin Mastra Antonio for a terrific conversation. If you aren't following Julie on Instagram, what are you waiting for? This woman will provide you with creativity, color, and inspiration every day. I mean, who couldn't use more of those things in your life, right? You can find her at julieamlin.art. Stay tuned. I will be back on Saturday with another episode. Thank you for listening.